0: That's it. We're good. Yep, message. Yep. Mm -hmm. Good morning, holy conferencers. Good morning. Good to see you. Let's pray, please. Gracious, loving God, on this beautiful autumn day, we remember how much you love us, how much you care for us, and how much you want us to spread your love throughout the world. Prepare us today to be those people who lead people into faith. And so may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer, either through us or in spite of us. Speak to us, thy people, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being part of our holy conferencing here this morning. We're getting ready for our annual church conference next Wednesday, as you probably know now. And I'll really appreciate the work that people are doing to prepare for this. I've seen some hard-working people in this church since I've been here. People who go the extra mile to show their love for our church and everything that we do. And we've had wonderful events this year, Amen? amen? Events that have been very successful thanks to your hard work. Our dinners, sales, and special events have been great in spite of weather and other things not always cooperating exactly. And I'm grateful for your efforts and very proud of our church family. It's truly a joy and a privilege to serve you all. With that said, we know that it's not easy for us to do all of these events, It takes a a lot of energy and a lot of teamwork to put together an event, right Edie? (laughs) Not everybody can help and not everybody has energy to help the way that they used to. Things are changing for us as a church and as people. What this church did just a few years ago isn't necessarily the sort of thing that we need to be doing now or in the future. Are we ready for those changes? Are we ready to become the church that we need to be? In some ways, we are laying the groundwork for a future of promise and hope that God's preparing for us. We have a a regular stream of newcomers and visitors at worship and in our faith groups. And some of these new people are exploring faith more deeply. It's a living faith. That attracts people to a church. Let's remember. Our dinners and events are wonderful and joyful times of celebration. But I think you might notice that not so many people work their way from our dinners and events into the life of the church. We have wonderful hospitality and often radical hospitality for our community. But that doesn't always mean that our hospitality invites people to join our community with a living faith that touches God's world. And that's not unusual, of course. In America, and especially this part of America, people are used to treating faith as a private matter. Something between them and their God. But that's not really the full picture of faith, is it? And it's especially not faith in the Methodist tradition. In Methodism, Faith is what happens when everyday people like us bring God's culture into the world's culture as people share their private faith with one another, first in small groups or in worship, and then with the world. If faith were really a private matter, then God would never have bothered to speak with people like us, right? Much less become one of us like Jesus Christ. If we're not helping the world to look more like heaven and inviting heaven into it, then we are not a community of faith. We are just worshipers. This doesn't mean that we have to do dramatic things, of course. Much of what brings God's culture into the world is about small changes that we make in our lives in devotion to God. Changes that become disciplines not just once-in-a-while events. That's why we call it discipleship in church talk, making how we live our faith a habit. You'll notice that we have some suggestions on our website and in our newsletter this week about how we can make practicing our faith a habit. And I encourage you to review those suggestions and other suggestions, and to think about how you can introduce new faith habits and stronger faith habits into your life. Like our nation's veterans, who we honor today with open hearts, people who had to give up many things to learn new disciplines, moving from worship to discipleship takes effort and sometimes sacrifice. It means putting the life that God defines for us ahead of what the world wants to define as our lives. Changing our lives to be a disciple isn't always easy. And we can't do it without God's help. But as the saying goes, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Let's say that again. If nothing changes, nothing changes. If we don't change our habits as people and as a church, then nothing will make our church more attractive to our neighbors and to a new generation of people who need Christ in their lives. They will be stuck in the culture of the world. And they'll only see the culture of the world when they come here. If they don't see us trying to change our own lives to look more like the life-changing culture of God, why would anyone ever want to come here to experience a change in their life? Amen? If we do begin to make these changes to move more towards the heaven version of our future that we defined in our last holy conferencing and not the hell version of our future, then people need to feel a different kind of invitation when they come here. And when they meet us out in God's world, they'll begin to feel God's invitation for faith when we do that. They will see something different about you and us and recognize that it's something that they need in their lives. When people are attracted to a church that's based on discipleship that changes lives, then those people invite more people. It's a model that repeats itself again and again, and it can repeat itself for generations. That's a church with energy to grow, not just energy to get through the next fundraiser. If we invite just five or ten new people committed to discipleship in this church, then fundraising events won't be needed for our existing budget. We can focus it more on the mission of the church, to bring people to faith, to have faith-filled people helping and transforming God's world in the image of God. You could say that a commitment to inviting people to discipleship in Christ is the most cost-effective way to fund a church. And yet, as as effective as Christian discipleship is for growing a church, it can be a scary shift for many people. (coughs) Consider that widow (coughs) in today's Old Testament story. Now, there was a a great drought in the time of the prophet Elijah. And it was a drought so bad that it started leading to starvation. As rivers and lakes were drying up, God sent Elijah from his home in Gilead, east of the river Jordan, to Sidon, a great seacoast city north of Israel. And God told Elijah that a widow there would help him. It must have seemed like something completely unlikely to Elijah. And it was a long, long walk. But Elijah did as God asked. And he found a widow who was so poor and so hungry that she felt that she and her son were about to have their last meal. How could asking help from this poor woman possibly help Elijah or her or her son? And yet, this is what God had asked. God wanted them to invite one another to a radical faith. God wanted them to feel that faith, that that they were relying on one another as complete strangers to find faith in God that would save them. The world and its culture could not help them. Only God could if they tried, together. And so, the widow shared her last meal with Elijah. But it wasn't her last. The food kept coming back again and again, more than enough to help them through the famine. God's invitation to humble and extraordinary faith saved them all. My dear family in Christ, it's this kind of invitation to faith that God wants us to find in our lives and to bring to God's world. The world is starving for faith. The world is starving for something that they know that the world does not provide them. There is a famine in the land, amen? Amen. There's a deep famine, a deep thirst, a deep hunger for something better, something more, something that gives life what life seems to be missing or that's dying. And I see that hunger in the eyes of people down at Tom's place who feel forgotten. I see it in the eyes of people who think they can't possibly pause for just a few extra moments not to be caught up in work or family or the internet or sports or sex or health or politics. And I see it in the eyes of people who with the world have who the world has swept under the carpet, who need desperately to find a new start to life, a new chance to find a life of hope and peace. We all need to be God's invitation to faith for one another, for without offering it to one another and relying on one another again and again, our faith will be on a starvation diet. And then... Even prophets might not come to eat with us. God invites us to change and to stop trusting in our own power to be the church and to invite others into this church to invite the power of God into God's world together. Without them, our faith starves and dies. Without us, their faith will starve and die. And without faith, A life worth living dies in us and in God's world. And I did not come here to see faith die on a starvation budget. I came here to eat faith with you, to grow a rich and complete meal of faith through complete and dedicated Christian discipleship. Commit yourself to give and receive God's invitation to faith again and again, as a disciple of Christ. And then, watch the miracle of faith feed you in God's world again and again for generations to come. Amen. Amen.